Welcome to Listening with Leaders. I'm Doug Knoll, lawyer turned peacemaker. I teach executive leaders how to listen to emotions rather than words so that they can become the leaders everyone wants to follow. And I teach those same leaders how to be authentically present, available, and connected to their families, despite being insanely busy. I have learned that we are 98% emotional and only 2% rational. Learning how to listen to emotions is, in my experience, the foundational skill of life. Stick around to the end of the show, and I'll reveal how you can be on our next guest in 15 to 20 minutes. So let's get started. Welcome, Ingrid Christensen. You are the founder and owner of Ingsco International, Inc. It is, uh, and you can be found at, in. I want to make sure I get this right, ingscointernational.com. And uh-huh. you, you have one of the most fascinating businesses, stories that I've seen in a long time. Tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Thank you so much for having me on. Um, I've had the incredible honor um, to to live um, a a life beyond anything that I ever imagined that I would be able to and um, really serve uh, the voice of the voiceless. So be a voice of the voiceless is something that I've been really honored to, to have um, had the opportunity over the last 25 years. So I am Ingrid Christensen. I'm the president and founder of Inco International. We are a language solutions company. So we help organizations um, speak and uh, translate content in about 200 different languages to, to whomever they need to communicate with. So um really what what we do is we take things from one language and we and we put them into another and um it's it's been an incredible journey it's been really fun i love the idea of giving voice to the voiceless yeah that's really um that's a really powerful statement especially here in the united states you know I, i mean there's so much political polarization around immigration and yet we're a country of immigrants and mm-hmm. I know that where you're based in in Minnesota, you have a huge immigrant population of all kinds of different yes. people. Um, yes. From the from, I remember when the monks migrated to Minnesota after the Vietnam War to you know yep. you got people from Africa and yes. I mean just incredible what you have in in your state and of course here in California, yeah, we're, we're the same way. Um, yeah, Minnesota has a really long history of accepting and receiving immigrants and refugees, um, and it's it's a great um, you wouldn't think it's a, it's very multi multicultural multilingual, being that we're you know smack dab in the middle of the continent here and the close to the tundra, um, but it but it really is a welcoming a welcoming place. Um, yeah, I think for, of, I for think people of, of all. I think of Minnesota as being Swedes, you know, Prairie Home Companion and all that. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what you get right here. Yes. <laughs> so tell us your tell us how your story. How did you start? start this company. It was back in 2008, I think, 2006. We just are celebrating our 17th year. So, um, you know, just like many things in life, I think we take one decision clearly at a time, right? And you can go back, I can go back to my life and see the path about how each of those singular uh, decisions have led me to where I am right now. So to back way up, I had no idea that being a translator or an interpreter was a a job. I just, it didn't occur 
to me at all. I, it just was not in my, my frame of reference at all. And I was sitting at a coffee shop. I went to the University of Minnesota for my undergrad, reading the newspaper, looking at the want ads, right? That's how we used to get jobs was in the back of the newspaper. And there was a, a, a local company in Minnesota that was hiring for an admin scheduler position. I, I, had a, I had another semester that I had to finish at school. And I thought, well, this international multilingual job really beats schlepping beers at the sports bar, which is what I was doing. And I was not into that anymore. So I called them up, interviewed, got the job. They found out that I spoke Spanish. And so they they tested my Spanish skills. And, and I remember specifically the owner said, you know, Ingrid, that's really great that you're here scheduling, but you can be of much better use to the world and to yourself and to, quite frankly, to us as an organization, if we train you as an interpreter. And that was it. That started the whole pathway down this multilingual world that I've that I've been on now for for almost 25 years. So I had the the immense um, honor and privilege of working as a Spanish interpreter for five or six years. I um, I like to joke. It's not a joke. It's real that I've been in and out of jail more than most people. I've I've been with with babies as they've been born, family the mothers as as the babies have been born. I've been with people when they take their last breath. So I really have um, been alongside people serving as as their voice in a lot of different and a lot of different areas. And I saw an opportunity way back in 2005, 2006 when I decided to launch the company to do something a little bit different. I loved the work that I was doing and I loved the freelance work, but I thought that I could frame an organization really with the linguist, um, the linguist at heart and front and center of everything that we do. And so like most entrepreneurs, I, I had a vision, I had a dream, I launched it. It, it ebbed and flowed and changed in a gazillion different ways since day one. Um, but it, it was with that, it was with that dream and that, and that honor to really serve people and, and be their voice when they most need it, that I, that I launched in Inco International in 2006. So here we are 17 years later. And, and you, you, at the beginning is you, you it sounds like your company offers far more than just interpreting services. Um, yeah, so we have three. We yeah, we have three main divisions to the to the organization. We have um, interpretation, was which is anything spoken. So that could be over a Zoom call, that could be on on the phone, that could be an in person conference or meeting. Um, our second area is written translation, and so that's websites, marketing material, compliance documents, legal documents, really anything that's written from one language to another. And the third area that's really grown out of necessity and that we're all seeing exploding across all industries are um, anything video, AV, so voiceovers, subtitling, things of that nature. And how many employees do you have? Uh, we have about 20. We have about 20 employees that that make all the magic happen. And we work with about a thousand different linguists every year say, in different languages. Yeah. I was going to say, it's a small company. Yes. Uh, core company. but. But thousands of independent contractors from around. Yes. The world. Wow. Yeah. Managing that, how do you keep track of all this? Oh, I have a lot of really, really smart people on my team that make make the magic happen. So this is this is far beyond far beyond what I could ever I could ever do. I um I'm blessed with 
really, really strong, capable team that is super smart and they they make this all happen. Are you doing much interpreting work yourself these days? I'm not. No, I don't use my language at all anymore. In fact, I think my Spanish skills have slipped um, considerably. Well, <laughs> don't I, put me in front of a client. <laughs> uh, well, but, I mean, it makes sense because you're busy running the company. What yeah. kind of client? What kind of clients contact you? Uh, mostly corporate clients. So um, we tend to work a lot in med tech, med device, manufacturing, mm-hmm. um, ag, agricultural, ag tech. Um, that's kind of the bread and butter of what we have here in Minnesota. So that's where I got I mean, my first clients were here. And we've now expanded. Um, we work with quite a few nonprofits, NGOs, international NGOs, a little bit of a little bit of government contracting, uh, lots of schools, lots of educational um, organizations, um, healthcare facilities. Um, Sounds lots like a of events. Broad, really broad client base. I mean, wherever people, it is a, yeah, wherever people don't speak English, wherever they show up is where you're going to find your work. Yeah, a fun a fun fact: the language service industry is larger than the global music industry. Wow, really? Mm-hmm. And nobody knows about it. Right. Well, <laughs> we're all in our little English bubbles, right? So what do yeah. we know about yeah. the other yeah. hundreds or so languages around the world? Yeah. Um, today, as a as an entrepreneur and founder of this company, what 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 do you enjoy most about what you do as a as a leader? Mm, honestly, right now, the, with the role that I'm in and the position that I play, I have I get the greatest joy out of watching my team grow and excel and stretch their muscles and and really get to watch them step into leadership roles. It is so fun and they are so talented and they are so much smarter than I can ever be. And that really brings me so much joy and happiness. So That's my favorite part. It sounds like you've got a younger team that younger people that you've been nurturing and growing and coaching. And yeah, what- we have a very... We have a global team. Um, most of them are younger than I am. <laughs> and um, yeah, so it's been really fun to watch and develop their leadership skills and and just see them grow and flourish. Huh. Um, what do you see as being unique or special to what you do as an individual? Me as an individual? Um, well, I think that I have a, a probably a lot of unique talents and and traits, but it's always the the person that um, is the least likely to recognize them is is the self, right? So so (laughs) recognizing our own talents is probably the most challenging. Um, I would say that out of um, necessity and or um, wisdom that I've gained over the last 17 years, I would say that I'm learning day by day just to get out of the way, just to let people do their best work and not get in the middle and not meddle and not try to manage or control or really just mess things up. I think people are super talented and you just, you have to let them, you have to let them fly. You have to let them um, grow and stretch. It's it's a lot like parenting. I feel like, and I don't think that it's a, maybe, this is interesting. Now I'm I'm putting two and two together here. But when I started the company, my I had a newborn child. So he's 17 now. 
And I do feel like as he's grown up with the company, the company has grown up with him. And, you know, we're, 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 we're getting our, we're, we're getting a little bit of maturity. We're flexing our muscles. We're growing. And um, so, yeah, I would say just, just get out of the way. So what you've learned is one of the most important concepts of leadership, hire really good people, yeah. give, give them power to do well and to make mistakes and delegate. Yeah. So it was a hard journey to get there. Um, and I don't, I don't know if I'm hundred percent there, but I'm on the journey. I'm on the way. I'm on the way. Why, why do you say it's a hard journey just in terms of letting go and letting people do, do what they're supposed to be pretty good at? Um, well, I think, um, this, this is my baby, right? It's, it's called Inco, Ingrid's company. It literally is an extension of me for a long time. It was my identity. It, it still is my identity in many ways. I think that many entrepreneurs that start as doers, so we're owner operators, it's really, really hard to cut that umbilical cord and lead the organization as a leader rather than as an owner operator. So it's taken me a really long time to peel back the layers and work through all the you know, work through all the cobwebs to be able to really um, step into more of a position of leadership. And when I started the company, remember, I, I'd never had a real, a quote unquote, real job. Right out of college, I started as a freelance interpreter, and then I launched this organization. And so I've had to learn uh, by watching and by learning and, and listening to other people and how to how to run this organization by still keeping, you know, the culture alive and 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 the core values alive that I think are really important, but also letting letting the company mature and letting the company grow. Wow. Yeah, no MBA, no business background, and 17 years later, enormously successful <laughs> for you. So what, what advice would you give to, especially to young women today um, that mm. were where you were when you were just exiting university? My, my best advice is say yes and figure it out. You have every single capability within you to figure anything out that you want to figure out. I don't care what kind of business you want to start. I don't care what you want to accomplish. I think women, especially, and I'm sure men, but I'm a woman and that's the world that I know need to get out of our heads. We just need to say yes and figure things out. We are so smart and so capable and so talented, yet for some reason, we doubt ourselves and we second guess ourselves. I have a lot of hypotheses as to why this is true, but I would say number one, first and foremost, say yes and figure it out. Um, that's that's my best advice. I, I think that's really great advice. And I think the opportunities for young women today are even getting bigger and more vast than ever before, despite political polarization and the culture wars and all that stuff. Um, sadly, uh, young men are not succeeding. Um, I mean, here in California at our local state university, 80% of the student body population is women, 20% men. Yeah. I'm the chair of the, board of, our uh, chair of the board of trustees of our local law school. 80% of our students are women, law students are women, yeah. only 20% men. I mean, the opportunities for, for young women to succeed today are hmm. beyond unbelievable if they're willing to get out, get out yeah. there and make it happen. Interesting. Um, As the mother of a young man, um, I see that he has tremendous potential. Um, he has 
has amazing ideas. He has a really, really bright future. So I, I have to, I have to ponder that one a little bit. I don't know if it's a bad thing that the tables have turned, that there's more women showing up. Um, but, but of course, as the mother of a, of a, of a, a boy, um, I would want um, the same opportunities for success, but well, he'll, he'll figure it. Yeah. He'll figure yeah, it out. He'll figure it out. He sounds, he's got a yeah. brilliant mother. I'm sure he's going to be a really, yeah. really successful young man when he gets through his schooling. Um, so in 17 years, you've probably seen, as you, as you may know, if you've looked at my work, I'm a lawyer turned peacemaker, among other things. <laughs> so I'm always interested in how leaders deal with conflict. I'm sure you've seen your share mm -hmm. of conflict over the years. What's your, what's, how do you, how do you manage conflict when you see it, whether it's be, inside your organization or with clients or anywhere else? So I've spent the better half of this year deeply engrossed in writing my first book. Oh. Um, so my first book will publish um, in a couple of weeks here. It's called the, the Language of Trust. And what I knew before diving into the book writing process was how vital and pivotal trust creation and cultivation was not only for organizations, but for all, I mean, all of us, but specifically amongst teams, amongst organizations where you really have to lean in and there has to be great amounts of, of accountability. And so I had this kind of hypothesis before diving into the book process. And then I spent a year really studying trust and trying to figure out what was my, you know, what are my thoughts around trust? And I think that the number one goal for humans is to communicate openly and effectively in a way that we are able to establish trusting relationships with the people around us. But in order to get there, I think most of us have a whole lot of work to do around trusting ourselves. And I don't think that you can be an effective leader. I don't think you can be an effective parent. I don't really think you can be effective at a lot of things unless you really get into a state of deep trust with yourself. And once you're able to do that, then you're able to really cultivate and nourish those trusting relationships with, with the people around you. And I think there's so many things that go that go into that. But if we can lead with love in everything that we do, abundance of love, then I think the trust formation comes so much easier, but it really has to start from within. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Um, I, I get, unfortunately, I get called into situations where trust has been broken. Absolutely. And, and I have to <laughs> help people decide what they want to do and they relate, whether it's a business deal that's gone wrong or a personal relationship yeah. that uh, yeah. has gone sideways. Um, interesting. It's interesting that you're focusing on trust. Um, a colleague of mine, Paul Zach, at the graduate school at Claremont University, I don't, I don't know if you're familiar with this work, but he published a really, he was part of a study probably 10 years, not 10 years, almost 10 years ago. First study to show the relationship between trust and neurohormones. Mm -hmm. And what, what his, what his, what he and his colleagues discovered was that when you raise oxytocin levels in people, they have higher levels of trust. Yeah. And when you lower oxytocin levels, lower levels of trust. And yeah. what are the, what are the ways that we get oxytocin in, into us? Orgasm, breastfeeding, shaking hands, breaking bread. Hugging, smiling, touching, sharing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 So there's a biophysiological 
component. Absolutely. Really Absolutely. And if you think, I think about, that's yeah. so fascinating. The, the, the neuro, um, uh, the, the neural connection between the hormone right. stimulation and in the body and the ability for the brain to get into a state of trust is fascinating. I it's it's yeah, I've learned a ton in this and process. If you think about it, you know, if you think about it, think about all the cultures where you have you hug and have meals together for hours before yep. you ever start there's the ancient wisdom, you know, kind of figured out that hey, we can trust each yep. other and time with each other. Um yep. really so the work you're what you're talking about is really fascinating. The other question I had, of course, this podcast is called Listening with Leaders. There's a reason for that, because I happen to think that listening is a foundational skill of life. And I would say yep. that your business, as in interpreting and translating and doing documents work, that listening is probably a pretty important skill. Tell me about I that. I would say that listening is probably the most important skill that human beings need to really um, lean into. We cannot even start to translate a message if we don't really truly understand what it means. We have to get to the underlying nuances. We have to understand what was the state of mind of the person that wrote this, that said this, we really have to get into the depth of the message in order to put it in another language, because translation is not word for word, right? The word of, you know, the, the world of trading one word for another, that, that's not translation. That's just looking up a, a dictionary and, yes. and replacing one word with another. It's about meaning. What is the it's meaning? It's all meaning-based. Really it's all meaning-based. Yeah. Right. Let me tell you a really quick story. When I was a trial lawyer, I had an interpreter, a Spanish interpreter with a, a Spanish client. And I asked the question and the, and the witness said, see, and the interpreter said, no. And huh. the courtroom went crazy, right? Wait a minute. He said, see, and, and the interpreter had to say, no, the way he, the intonation of you see or yes, really mm -hmm. meant no. And so then we yeah. had to explore that further. And it turned out that the, that the interpreter caught the meaning exactly right. Um, really funny stuff. Yeah, because things are not what they seem. Things are not what they seem. And when you're working with an interpreter, there, I have a section in the book about this, that the, the, one of the little secrets of working with, with a linguist is that we are tuned in to all of the unspoken words. We can see things, we can hear things, we can feel the fluctuation in somebody's voice. We can see the intonation, we can look and we can we can decipher the register of the words that they're using and, and pick up on these nuances. It's, it's a fascinating science. If you look at the mm -hmm. brain of the interpreter or the translator, when they're actually in the midst of doing their work, it's, it's a, the brain synopsis that's occurring is, is, is wild, wow. but yeah, you've got to get in there and it's all message-based. It's not word for word. It's all, right. all meaning and message-based. Amazing. Um, the thought came to me, What? how is artificial, and I see that there's a lot of artificial intelligence programs out there that can translate into any language. Mm -hmm. um, how is that affecting your business? Um, you know, we're really leaning into technology as, um, as, a, as a friend. We're trying to not um, continuously defend against it or, or push it away. I think that AI certainly is helpful with um, process management, document management, um, production, 
Um, do I think that a computer is ever going to be able to jump into somebody's brain and understand exactly what they were saying and be able to translate that messaging? No. Do I think that a, 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 a computer or an AI chatbot or any of these other AI technologies can look at a menu and read hamburger, French fries, you know, wine and translate that fairly decently? Sure. Could they translate the, 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 the description of the meal? Could they translate the, the server that is telling you how the food tastes on your tongue, how you're going, your taste buds are going to experience that? Can they, can the, can a machine translate the feeling that the food evokes or the memories that, that the wine evokes in you? No, but I do think that technology can aid us in many ways for process improvement, production improvement, um, some of the technological pieces. So I don't think it, it's, I, in my, I'm, I'm a hundred percent certain that it's not going to replace I, I human translation. Mm -hmm. I, I completely agree with you because, because I don't care how good the algorithms are. They can, they're not emotional. And, no. and in my, in my work, um, you know, I, I talk and teach that we're 98% emotional and only 2% rational. And no yep. way I can ever pick up on the emotions of a human being. Um, I know I know there are people trying to work on it, especially for consumer decision making and consumer sentiment. But I think that's a that's a tough road to haul because the human brain has evolved over millions of years to be an emotional machine. And I think, they, yeah. I think you're exactly right. AI is going to have a tough time replacing it. But I also agree that on a lot of the tedious stuff where for production. Sure. I mean, you could feed in a, a legal document, for example, into an AI. It could oh, yeah. Into Turkish, and then you proofread it, make sure it got it all right. Yeah. And, and yeah, then... there's lots of QA, QC. And you know what? Um, AI is not anything new in translation. We have had access to machine translation tools for 20 plus years. Oh, okay. Um, you know, there are organizations that are translating millions and millions of words every, every day. Um, and there's human error. Right, humans are sure. humans, and to remember exactly how you translated five million words ago, a, a particular <laughs> sentence, and get it right now, like the chances are slim to none. So we do lean on technology, and we do lean on um, mm -hmm. the tools that we have. But I, but I do think that they're they're just parts of the toolbox. They're tools of the toolbox. Yep. They're not anything to be afraid of. Yeah, cool. To help us. One last question. We'll wrap it up. Um, tell us one thing about yourself that we wouldn't know unless you revealed it? Ooh, well, hmm. Um, that's a really good one. I, <laughs> <laughs> so the, so I don't know how secret this is, but it's probably not like common public knowledge. Um, but I fancy myself a, a semi-professional tambourinist. Tambourinist. Well, very good. That's, I haven't heard that before. I'm a jazz violinist myself, but <laughs> good for you. I mean, we all have to have skills. And let that me tell really you, there's cool. nothing about the tambourine. It just brings joy and happiness to everyone. And I don't think that like, it's not really hard to play. So, so yeah, I've, I've got that going for me. Well, Ingrid, this has been an amazing half hour conversation. Thank you so much. Where can people reach out to you if they want to find you? So you can find us at incointernational.com, which is I-N-G-C-O, international.com. 
I also have an author book site, which is ingrid-christensen.com, where you can find all the info on the language of trust and any other future books, if there are good, any. Good luck on the book launch. I've done four myself, so I know I know Ooh. the process. <laughs> um, Fun times, right? <laughs> yeah, it was, you know, it took me four tries before I got one that was commercially successful. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not going uh, for commercial success. I'm just trying to get it out there. So uh, we'll great. see. Congratulations on the book launch. And thank you so much for being Thank my you so much. I appreciate it. Have uh, a beautiful day. I will. Thank you. Doug Noll here. Thank you so much for listening to Listening with Leaders. If you are a successful executive leader who would like to be on this program, please visit podcast.dougnoll.com slash podcast. If you got something out of this interview, would you please share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. If you know someone that would be a great guest, tag them on the social media to let them know about the show and include the hashtag listening with leaders. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team. Want to know more? Go to my website, dougnoll.com, or follow me on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. That's at Douglas E. Noel. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the next show.